in the sense that, you know, we all have a father, we all have a mother, and, you know, we, we recognize that this is a broken world. We always don't have perfect fathers and mothers, but we all do probably have spiritual fathers and mentors and people that we look to in our lives, people that set good examples for us. And I myself have had lots of these men in my lives. My biological father is also a spiritual father to me, but I could go and name a huge list of those people. And I owe a lot of my faith and who I am and where I am today to those spiritual leaders in my life, my dad and my grandfather. And I want to tell you, I could tell you the story of Rex Kane, but I thought it would just be better heard from my father, who uh, is obviously Rex's son. So who better to interview on a day called Father's Day than my father? I did my mom, so I figured my dad should have a fair shot too. <laughs> Let's go ahead and watch that. Hello, everybody. Good morning. I'm here with my dad, Alan Kane, who, um, you know, on Father's Day, who better to talk to than my dad. And I already interviewed my mom this year, so, you know, give them both a fair shot here on the <laughs> desk for you. Become famous in Rockford, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also life true. Who knows? It might. Well, that's true. It might be famous all around. There you go. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here? I uh, am obviously Josiah's dad. My name is Alan Kane. I have been a pastor for about 35 years. I did my internship and then stayed on a few more years in Omaha, Nebraska. As associate, went to South Carolina and spent 15 years at Bethel Church. And I have been here in Springfield, Ohio for 17 years as a pastor at the Lawrenceville Church of God, of which I'm sitting in the old Lawrenceville Church of God. Uh, my wife and I bought the old church when we built a new building and turned it into a home, which will come up in the conversation, I'm sure, here in a few minutes. So, yeah. But yeah, so I'm sitting in, that's the stage um, where I used to preach from, now I shoot pool from up there. <laughs> anyway. So you're a pastor, I'm a pastor. We both have lived lives blessed by God and following Him. And it would be impossible for us, or very unlikely, I think, that we'd be here talking, having this conversation right now, if it wasn't for your dad, Rex Kane. So yes. why don't you tell us a little bit about his life and how his legacy got us here? My dad grew up here in Lawrenceville, just outside of town. And his, his home was a broken home. Eventually, his parents got divorced, but even before then, it was just a lot of unhealthy behaviors, and because of that, he ended up being bounced around from house to house while his parents were off doing other things. And so he had a very unstable home life, and because of that, uh, really battled some insecurities uh, and some issues that you know, I think he fought all of his life. But, uh, when he was a young kid, he met a, a, a young man, became a friend, Stan Rao, who lived here in Lawrenceville, actually, in town. And Stan went to church here with his family, so Dad started coming to church. His parents believed in God. Dad did, uh, but they weren't, you know, followers at all, really. So he, when he came here, literally right here, <laughs> uh, 
he uh, found family, he found stability, he found some peace and quiet and some joy that he wasn't finding other places and, and was really attracted to the faith. In fact, the, the interesting thing is, which was not planned, I'm pretty much sitting in the place where the pew was that dad remembers as a kid. And he's told me the story while he sat here himself. Um, again, knowing that his dad and mom were doing their own thing and not really parenting very well, he would stand on the pew right here next to a man named Clark Valentine. And Clark would hold him close to his side and while they would sing hymns. And so Clark is standing and my dad is on the pew next to him and Clark's got him, you know, arm locked in a, up next to his barrel chest. And dad says he can remember hearing the low bass notes rumbling in his chest as he sang. He said, I remember that like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so he felt love here, you know. And so this, literally this spot, this place is where he came to know Christ. Uh, and so the man who led him to faith was E. Richard Smith, a longtime pastor in the Church of God, and who I call my spiritual grandfather because he, you know, brought my dad to faith. And not only did he bring my dad to faith, but he also brought him into the ministry. And it's an amazing story that my dad graduated from high school, had very little parental guidance in his life, and he thought, well, I guess I'll sign up for the Air Force. I don't know what else to do. Big Air Force community here in Dayton, Ohio. So they went down to the Air Force uh, recruitment office, and they were closed that day. The Lord had to shut down that day. <laughs> that's not what he wanted them to do. So the next morning, he got up. He was going to go back and try it again, and he had gotten in his car and started back out the driveway. And he, Richard, probably sitting here in this building again in his office, uh, just felt the Lord tell him, you need to call Rex. Was he, Richard, the pastor here? Yeah, he, Richard, was the pastor at Hornsville. He says, you need to call Rex and talk to him about going to Bible college. So he did it at that moment. We do not have time to tell the stories of E. Richard and the Lord speaking to his heart to do things at the right time, which I think his legacy has continued on through my dad and through us. But so he called my dad and his stepdad at the time opened the door and yelled at my dad, Rex, come back in. Pastor Smith's on the phone wants to talk to you. So dad was literally backing out of the driveway to sign up. You know, I'm thinking, I'm sure God was thinking, I can't keep shutting down the recruiting office. So he got, he got Richard's attention and, and sent him. And so dad pulled back in, came in, talked to Richard. Richard said, before you go to the recruitment office, I want you to come to the church and talk to me, which is right here in this building. And so dad came here and, and Richard convinced him to go to Bible college where he met my mom and, and uh, and you know our legacy began to change, but it changed because, which is your original question, how did we get here? Dad decided that my family is not going to live like I lived. I am breaking that cycle. We're not going to do that. And so Dad made a commitment to be a new man, a different man, and uh, and he did that amazingly. So uh, you know. All of our siblings all know the Lord and love Him, and we have now a couple generations of, of pastors and teachers and leaders in the churches. And Dad, He changed our stars, as one line in the movie says. Uh, and it all started right here in this room, in this building, under E. Richards' pastor, but under the Spirit of God, 
to lead and to change and, and to redeem a life and set it in an absolutely new direction. Because my dad would never met my mom. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. If he wouldn't have met Grace Ragman at Bible College, which he would never have met her without that. So, um, he, Richard, started a chain effect. Excuse me. God started a chain effect with Richard. And, uh, and my dad was a pastor for 50 years and then retired and continued to do ministry. And now I'm a pastor. Uh, my brother Dan's a pastor. My other brother Mark has pastored and does his own ministry. And now I have two boys in the ministry, you and Isaac, and my daughter's married to a pastor. And, you know, it just goes on and on. So, but, uh, so that's how I'm here, how my dad's story, you know, changes, changed my destiny, that's for sure. And, and your, well. There's even other people involved. I'm sure the, te- the Sunday school teachers at the church, the other people who love him, Clark Valentine. Oh, also, yes. For example, yeah. these like yeah. these individuals who weren't blood relative to him, who were just oh, yeah. seeing some kid walk in, you know, and loved him. Yeah. Yeah, and so there were, there were all kinds of teachers and people that became lifelong friends to him that were older than him, of course. And this was his family. This is where he felt security. It's where he felt home. And none of them were his blood relatives. He was the first generation Church of God. You know, when he came into the Church of God, he was the first one in our family to do that. And so, you know, these folks are not related to him at all, but they loved him to faith. And which I think is kind of the leading of your message today is it doesn't have to be, right? Yeah. Your kids that you need to follow. Yeah. And that's certainly the case. Uh, you know, and that legacy has continued. In fact, I have a photograph of you and Isaac and Jake, my son-in-law, and Jacob Rohr, Nate Massey, uh, Levi Salyers. See, am I forgetting anyone there? Was Dan Wallen there at that time? I don't know. He was there for that picture. But anyway, I have this picture of your friends who also hung around, and I got... And it wasn't all me by any stretch of imagination, but I got forward to their life because you guys did a lot of it. But I got to help mentor them. And I have a picture of all of them standing around the ministry conference, all of them in the ministry now. You know, and that aren't my blood kids, but I all call, I call them all my sons, you know, and they call me dad, most of them. And, uh, and it's just, to me, it's one of the greatest legacies of my life. You know, my sermons are teaching, you know, whatever. But to look at that picture and think, man, that that's what it's about. Being a dad has nothing to do with blood. You know, you can be that. <laughs> the reality is in this world, there's a lot of kids right now who need some godly people in their lives to change their destiny. You broke the chain. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on this uh, Sunday for with me and, and talking about your story and your dad's story and well thank you for having me and thanks for being a great son and uh, your church has an awesome pastor <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty proud of that boy I always have and uh, all my kids are, are just amazing people and, uh, his wife's not bad either love you <laughs> well thank you and uh, love you very much happy Father's Day love you son Love you too. Talk to you later. Alright. Bye. Alright. I think there's a lot we can connect with with that interview. 
Don't we all want to leave a good legacy? Don't we all want to have the strength to stand in the face of trouble and be faithful through that? I think we all have a spiritual father in our lives. Could be your biological dad, could not be. But that person has poured into you. Those people have poured into you. It's on. Is it working? Okay. Many of us would say that our spiritual fathers have made a difference in our lives. And most importantly, what I'm trying to say here today is that we have the ability to serve in that same way. I think we all have the ability to serve as spiritual leaders. And then there's biblical precedent for this. There's biblical precedent for spiritual parenthood. So if you would, please turn with me to Acts chapter 16. We're going to take a look at Paul. And on his missionary journeys, he would often travel with people uh, to help him evangelize and to help him teach while he was visiting new churches uh, or visiting old churches and, and just encouraging them. He had people traveling with him all the time. We actually saw in Acts 15, which we did, we looked at last week in the Bumping Head series, where he was traveling with Barnabas and John called Mark for a little bit, and then this disagreement arose and they kind of split ways. But he did travel with people. And there are other times in his ministry that he met people and kind of took them along and raised them and kind of poured into them so that they could become leaders. And one of the most notable examples of this is Timothy. So in Acts chapter 16 is the first time we meet Timothy. So Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra, Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in faith, and we're increasing in number daily. So it's just a brief note in Acts. Just like this one verse, few verses where, oh, Paul's on his missionary journeys. He meets this guy named Timothy, and he's like, hey, why don't you come with me? And it can sound kind of insignificant. And we can maybe not realize what's actually going on here. Until we look at other parts of the New Testament and see how Paul and Timothy's relationship developed. Now I'm going to go through a few verses here relatively quickly because we have to take a survey of what Paul says about Timothy to kind of get an idea of how their interaction developed into a blossoming relationship. So in 1 Timothy 1-2 it says, To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now keep in mind that the book of Timothy is a letter written from Paul to Timothy, who is now in a leadership position. Timothy finds himself in a leadership position 
And Paul's writing him to help him with some encouragement and teaching and just kind of set him on the right path. And Paul calls Timothy his true child in the faith. Hold on to that phrase. Another example here in Philippians 2.22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he hath served me in the gospel. In another passage, or sorry, in this passage, Paul isn't just writing to Timothy. So he's not just saying, hey, Timothy, I think you're my true child. But he's writing to other people, to an entire different church. And he's saying, Timothy is my kid. He says this same kind of thing in 1 Corinthians when Paul writes to the church in Corinth. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So Timothy, growing up as a man without a spiritual father, and we know that he didn't have a spiritual father because it says in Acts that his father was a Greek, right? So he said his mother was a faithful Jewish woman, but his dad was a Greek. And they obviously didn't do any of the Greek uh, traditions like circumcision or anything like that. So his mother did a great job of raising him, which is a Mother's Day message. But that's for a different day. So Timothy grew up without a spiritual father. And so Paul saw Timothy. And he saw the potential in him. And he took him on. And he loved him and he traveled with him to the point where Paul starts to call him his true child in the faith. And this is the amazing part. Within God's system of faith, it just blows my mind. The life, there is a life-changing practice of spiritual parenting. That is what God has put into his system. And this was true in the case of Timothy, who through Paul's influence went on to be the spiritual leader. And the same is true for my grandfather Rex, who was welcomed into faith by love, by his spiritual parents, by his spiritual siblings. And he, because of them, became a follower of Christ for the rest of his life. And this attitude of spiritual parenting The passing along of faith from one generation to the next did not just start with my grandfather. It wasn't a new thing. And it didn't start with Paul and Timothy. It goes all the way back into the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 6, God instructs us to teach our kids everywhere we go, when we're walking, when we're doing chores, when we're going to bed, when we're waking up, to tell them who God is. Paul knew the importance of the spiritual Passing of the baton, so to speak. And so Paul gives Timothy the instruction to do the same thing that he did. In 2 Timothy 2 2, he says, The things which you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The spiritual parenting, the passing on of faith, has been going on for hundreds, thousands of years, through hundreds of generations. One generation to the next, entrusting God's beliefs to the next generation. And now it is our turn. And it has been our turn for as long as you've been alive and an adult as a parent. 
to spread the good news of God's kingdom, of Jesus' death and resurrection and the plan of salvation, so that it reaches as many ears as possible. Isn't that the kind of legacy we want to leave? Where we raise up people, where we pour into them, and they go on to do the same thing to others. Here are a few things I want us to take away this Father's Day. And this isn't just for men, it's not just for fathers, it's for all the ladies out there too. So we're all, we all need to listen up. This isn't a time to tune out your brain. Okay, here's, here's five things men need to change, you know, to be better husbands or something like that. This is for all of us. Number one, you need to be intentionally pouring in to others. I know many of you have done this for a long time, and you guys have done it to me since I've been here. But it's a good reminder that we need to hear often. We need to be loving people to faith, as my father said in the interview. Honestly, I, I could have just played my dad's interview and left it at that because it got to the heart of everything I wanted to say today. Loving people is what it is all about. And our impact on the kingdom is not only what we personally do, our personal projects, but it's also who we purposefully love. And my dad said Rex was loved and raised by people who weren't his family, biologically. By the people who were his spiritual family. By the people who just saw a kid walking in the front door of a church and said, that kid needs love. And I can give it to him. And Rex, in turn, was raised a spiritual man. And he raised a spiritual family. And not just biologically, he baptized hundreds of people in his 50-year ministry. And God used him to change the lives of those hundreds of people, and through them, thousands of people. And more often than not, these small acts of love have much larger effects than we can even see, than we can even imagine. It's because God uses the love of his people to work out his plan of salvation in the world. And our part is to continually pour out that love onto the people around us. Number two, following God always bears good fruit. If we look at the people who changed my grandfather's life all those years ago, we can see that these faithful people following God in the small things of just having a kid sit next to them on a pew at a church couldn't see what they were doing, but they knew that's what God wanted them to do. They had no idea of what fruit was going to come from that. They had no idea of how their love was going to change my grandfather. Paul didn't know that Timothy was going to grow to be the spiritual leader, one who's going to pass on the faith and, and lead churches. No one knows what impact you're going to have. All we know is that God is faithful to produce good fruit when we follow him and do what he says. Number three. Practice the faith so that you can share it with others. Paul says in Philippians 4, 9, The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, it's a simple idea, but you can only teach others what you yourself have learned. If you look at what Paul did with Timothy or how my grandfather's life was changed, 
And if you want to be a part of something like that, if you say, hey, I want to be able to pour into someone the same way that Timothy was changed or the same way that Rex was changed, I want to be able to be that person for someone, then you have to prepare yourself to be that kind of person. You can't be a good spiritual parent unless you have put in the time to learn the things of God and practice them and become proficient at them. It's a simple idea, but it's true all the same. You can only teach someone what you have learned and practiced. I can't teach someone the violin because I don't know how to play the violin. Brenda could. Brenda could teach people a lot of musical things. I can't. And you can't teach people about God unless you practice them, unless you learn about him. You can't pass on something you don't have. I want us to really feel the burden of that. It's a joyous but important responsibility for us to be practicers and doers and learners so that when those opportunities come along, when the kid walks in and sits next to you at church or the kid in the neighborhood, whatever it may be, when the opportunity is placed before you, you're ready to pour into that person. Like I said, this isn't just for fathers, it's for all of us. So... We're all going to run into those opportunities someday. It might be, like I said, a coworker. It might be a student at a school. It might be the neighbor kid. It might be the person who just walks in the front doors of the church trying to escape the trauma of this broken world. We don't know when it's going to be, but we do know that we want to leave a good legacy. We want to be known as individuals and as a church that love people And change the trajectory of their lives. We want to be obedient children. Imitators of our great father. Who has loved us and changed who we are. And we can be those people. That's not some lofty goal. It's not unobtainable. It's not some, oh yeah, that's a good ideal. But it's never going to happen. It doesn't take a special degree. It doesn't take a lot of money. All it takes is a heart after God. Filled with his love. And willing to go the extra length to love others. And if we are faithful in that, God will produce great growth through us. Clark Ballantyne, who knows what he saw of my grandfather? He might have died a year later. I'm not sure of his history. But what I do know is that Clark Ballantyne's influence changed me in some tiny, crazy, long-lived way. We all have that kind of influence. Let's be faithful in using it. Let's take a moment today to thank our spiritual fathers for their love, for their service, for their dedication. Let's pray. God, our Father, we just thank you for providing and taking care of us and leading us being patient with us, loving us all the time. I just pray that you put that same heart and love into our, into who we are and the things that we say and how we interact with people so that we can be those good influences, that we can be the servants who introduce someone else to your good news, to your love, to who you are and to who your son is. Let us see those opportunities. Let us prepare for those times. Thank you for everything you do for us. 
In your son's name we pray. Amen.